Hi, I'm uh, Alan. Happy Father's Day. Mate, I've already got a text here. I haven't read it. I've already got chocolate today. And I did get some stuff for golf, but I had such a bad game of golf on Friday, I thought, mate, I'm over golf. So it wasn't that exciting to get it. I got a glove. You know those gloves that they wear? It just makes you feel psychologically better at golf if you've got a glove. Um, but put it on track. No, no, no. So, uh, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Uh, increase. I'll just talk quickly about it. Look, increase for me is um, one of the reasons we did it was each year was uh, at one stage there was a lot of conferences around. I don't know what every... every um, there was all these conferences, and to go to a conference was just too expensive for a lot of people. You had to go to, say, Auckland, or you go to Wellington, you had to get accommodation, and, and, um, and we sort of thought it was just too, too expensive. And so we wanted to create a conference that is really for the, for the people to be able to get to, and for the church family, and um, where you didn't have to sleep in someone another bed, you didn't have to organize, you know, to go out and spend lots of money on food, you could just come and be part of the family. And we wanted it for the whole church. The kids um, have an amazing time. Honestly, they have an encounter with God. And, you know, in the Bible, they had a whole lot of things where people would, every year they would go to basically the temple or go to the tabernacle and, and have a time together. And there is something about moving outside of your normal and going to a place and having an encounter with God. Uh, Saturday morning, I shot over to the Seeking God retreat that was over in Rotorua. Uh, I think it was about 50, 60 people there. Um, and, and they were all going, <clears throat> you know, you sort of think you can have it at home, but there is something about going on a pilgrimage and being in a different place and not having your normal stuff at home. It's like people who say, I'm going to have a, hol- a stay vacation, a holiday at home. They still don't quite get the same rest. You've got to go away somewhere so that you get yourself into a different position. And that's what Increase is about. It's putting yourself in a different position. Uh, Pastor um, John Pierce, uh, I, like, I love him. He's a great guy. He's, he basically leads C3 uh, Global. So that's the whole of C3, about 600 churches around the world. And uh, he's just got a great pastor's heart, loves people. Vicki um, Simpson, I've never actually heard. Which um, she's a prophet or prophetic person in, in the C3 um, movement, and I've heard lots of good things about it. So I'm always interested to see, well, what's she going to come and say? Because, you know, these prophet people, they don't always say what you expect, do they? Yeah. Okay, my message this morning is God, you, and the world. God, you, and the world. And, uh, you know, let me just start with God for, for us as Christians. Everything starts with God, doesn't it? That's why we end up in different places than the people in the world, because the world, when they start a conversation, they start with me. They put themselves in the center, and so when they look at the world and they decide whether it's in politics or something like that, they go down a, a line that starts with themselves. But we start with God, don't we? And, and then you end up in different places if you start at different places and you go different directions. <clears throat> so the good news God, our creator, our savior, God loves us, and I still don't think we quite fathom how much he loves us. Uh, God's for you, he's not against you. God's the ultimate father, the ultimate father. And the good news, the gospel, the good news is that because uh, 
well, the fact is we were made to be in relationship with God. You were, you were created and made to be in a relationship with God. But it got broken. The relationship with God got broken through sin. Our relationship with God is broken because of sin. We're broken. I don't know if you've noticed. The world's broken. Pretty broken, actually. The gospel is that because of our sin that separated us from God, our brokenness and the brokenness and the evil world, we were separated from God. We were created to be in relationship with God, at peace, whole, complete, healed, living heaven on earth. That's what was supposed to be the thing. God, seeing our separation from him, sent his son, Jesus Christ, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes on him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus came to the earth, lived a sinless life, and then died for your sin and my sin. And because of that, we can be reunited with God. It's the simple gospel. We can have a real, life-giving relationship with God, which just blows your mind, doesn't it? In all the world, Yet God's interested in having an individual relationship with you and with me. All you have to do is to believe in Jesus and accept him as your Lord and Savior. When you've received and accepted the gospel, your sins are forgiven. You're connected with God. And as a result, you receive peace and assurance of eternal salvation. It's a good place to be, isn't it? Nod your head, just nod your head. That'll make me feel like you're listening. Nod your head. As a result, you become a child of God. You're adopted into his family. You are given a purpose to bring peace on earth, to expand the family business, to influence, to make the world a better place. You know, uh, growing up, I grew up in a, a Pentecostal church. Uh, we were in a couple of different Pentecostals, but most of, most Pentecostal church, most of them were, were assemblies of God. And growing up, they talked a lot, a lot about, you know, the whole mission of saving people, that people needed to get saved. They needed to have a relationship with God for their eternal benefit. And as I've looked more and more at the gospel, I think at times we became so obsessed with just the salvation, we forgot to focus on the change of our living and our purpose. And our purpose is to change the world. Our purpose is to hear on earth, is to bring heaven on earth. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're here to make the, the world a better place. Yes, I know salvation is one of the top ways and probably the, the pinnacle. We want people to get to know Jesus, but we've also got to love, the, love them and make the world a better place. Jesus made the world a better place. He changed lives. He affected the people around him. One day we'll die and live with him. We have eternal life in Jesus. You know when your body dies, your spirit will go to be with God. That's the great thing about the gospel. It's called the gospel of peace. It gives me peace to know what happens when I die. Uh, For me personally, I've had a sort of a new awe about the gospel. Uh, Because many of you know my mother passed away about three or four weeks ago. And um, suddenly I realized that the gospel of peace is not just for the person who's received the gospel, but it gives everybody else around you a peace. 
I have a peace because my mother knew Jesus and is in heaven today. I have a peace because she had the gospel. The gospel of peace not only affects you as an individual, it affects you, affects the people around you. I was talking to the funeral director who, uh, he used to be the bank manager. He used to be the church bank manager and he changed jobs and became a, a funeral director. And he loves that more than bank, being a bank manager. So I'll try and figure that one out. Um, but he said to me, man, he said, I've only been in this two and a half years and there is a huge difference about funerals and funerals where people have faith compared to those who do not have faith. He says it is unbelievably different. And that's, that's right, because we know the gospel, salvation, the fact that I know that I can see my mother again in eternity gives me peace. It's the gospel of peace. <clears throat> There's not an end. Death is the start of eternity with Jesus and gives us incredible peace. John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will live forever. God. So everything starts with God, everything lives through God, and everything should glorify God. God. Okay, so we've got God there. What about the world? Eight billion people in the world today. Phenomenal amount of people. A broken world. I mean, you think about the world, uh, man, it's full of darkness. Pretty evil things happening. And we've all been affected by horrible things in our world. We've got broken families. We've got broken, uh, we've got broken countries. We've got places at war. Uh, I don't know if any of you have got to go see the, um, that mo- uh, the, the movie The Sound of Freedom. Mate, that'll, that'll, that'll t- show you how messed up our world is with, uh, you know, the, the whole child and, and slavery in the world. Like, this is huge. You know, there's more slavery today than there ever has been in the life of the, of the world, even when slavery was legal. Like, our world is messed up. Put your hand up if you think the world's messed up. It's messed up. Oh, my goodness, it's messed up. <clears throat> the kingdom of darkness. The Bible says Satan is the god of this world. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 to, to 4 says this. If the good news, which I just talked about, we preach, we preach is hidden, sorry, if the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it's hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So, God, we got the world, and now there's you and me. There's you, right in the middle. Like, did you know, when God looks at you, you're right in the middle of the world. He sees you that way. We often see ourselves as one of eight billion people, but God sees you as an individual. He sees you. He loves you. He's got a purpose for you. Did you know you've got a purpose? One of my things I often say is everything goes from smaller to bigger and bigger to smaller. Everything in the world goes from smaller to bigger to bigger to smaller. <clears throat> and it starts with you and me. I don't know if you were here a few weeks ago when I talked about 
starts with you and me. Starts with you, your purpose. And you are part of the huge big plan that God has. And you're important in it. I think we forget. We just think, uh, well, I don't know whether I'm really that important in changing the world. There's a guy I meet with, and I have conversations with him. And uh, he lives in Tauranga, but he's involved with a whole lot of people in America, a whole group of people, including uh, ex-colonels of the um, uh, American Navy, uh, top guys that have been over FBI and CIA, which we're all suspicious of the FBI and the CIA, aren't we? Because we've watched movies about them. <laughs> um, but he's involved with these guys, and he said, you know, we're seeding stuff and making decisions that in the next six months to 12 months, you'll hear, hear come through the world media. I'm going, what do you mean? He said, well, I've just ended on this group, and we're writing a book. And, and I said, so what, why are you doing it? He said, well, and, and I, I got lost, but he said, look, if I can change this, and we affect this, and we can change this and this here, it'll change the world. It'll make the world a better place. Like, I sat there going, whoa, I've never sat with somebody who thinks they're going to change the world. And I felt God go away and goes, that's that you as a Christian need to realize that you're here to change the world. And it starts by little seeds. And if you've been in church long enough, you know about the mustard seed being the smallest seed and having an effect. But we get so blinded by Satan that we think, I haven't got a part I don't do anything. I'm not going to make a difference. But you know that everything you can do, every person you meet, every little thing you do can change the world. You're at the center of God's universe. So I just want to read through John 14 because to realize that you're here to change the world, you've got to have a revelation of God within you, of God and his purpose in you. And so if you've got your Bible, you can turn to John 14. I've shortened it a little bit. I want to go through the whole chapter, but I just, I just, changed, just missed a few verses out because otherwise we'd be here until lunchtime. And uh, we haven't got that long, have we? So you ready? I think it would have come up on the screen. Yeah, okay. So let's just read through this. John 14, verse one. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Also trust in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. One of the disciples then says, hey, well, well, we don't know where you're going. So in verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Okay, I don't know if you imagine that this is Jesus sitting with the disciples and the disciples are going, we want to see God. And Jesus is going, you don't need to see God because you've seen me. I and God are one. Like, it's mind-blowing. He said, you've seen, you've, from now on, you know God because you've seen Jesus. Like, it's, the, the disciples, you know, knowing their history about who God was and that, would be sitting there a little bit, well, this is huge. You're telling me you're God. 
Like, no different than if anyone else in our realm tries to say, I'm God. We just go, mate, you're not God. You're an idiot. Wouldn't we? Not with Jesus. Jesus was God. And he said, look, you've seen the things I've done. I'm I'm God. Jesus replied in verse 9, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. Now look, this is, this is quite big in its thinking. You know, our, our goal, or our, we were created to be, and I'll use this term because it's a little bit out there, but we were created to be with one and one with God. And one with the universe in a sense because it's God's universe and he's in it. We were created to be in God. Jesus is explaining, hey, God's in me. Like, all the power of God is in me. It's, I'm one. I'm in unity with him. And, and so the disciples are looking, going, look, this is quite, this is a lot to swallow. And uh, if you read on, you're starting to think, mate, that's not the only part. You've got to understand Jesus and God being one. But then it goes on and expands a little bit further. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father, and you can ask anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can give, bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask for me for anything in my name, and I'll do it. Okay, so Jesus is walking on earth. The Father's in him. If you've seen, the, seen him, you've seen the Father. And then he's saying, hey, I'm disappearing. I'm going up to be with the Father. So now we've got... In our minds, Jesus up there, God, yet God is omnipresent, because that's mind-blowing. So do you know what omnipresent means? He's everywhere at once. He then goes on in verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, the advocate, who will never leave you. Isn't it fascinating? Jesus said, I'd never leave you. The Holy Spirit will never leave you. So now he's saying, hey, I'm sending the Holy Spirit who leads you into truth. We've always said, Jesus is the truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, so the Holy Spirit and Jesus and God are one. Three in one. Mind-blowing. Quite quite huge. Hard for our little four-inch minds to get our heads around that. Uh, Is that right? Four-inch minds to get our understanding. But it's the truth. So he sent the Holy Spirit who leads you into truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Now that's mind-blowing again. So now he's saying, okay, so I've been here on earth and God has been in me and I've been doing the will of the Father. I'm going to the Father. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit's going to be in you. Now, we're at one with God. Like, that. honestly, that's huge. That's the way he wants it to be, in unity with God. I often see it. You know, I, 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 um, 
I walk out onto my balcony and I stand there and I look out at the, you know, the beautiful view that looks towards the, the Kaimais. And as I stand there, I'm, I'm very aware that the Father, my God, is above me. I'm under his authority. I'm under his care. I'm in submission to him. And I forever go, God, forgive me for my disobedience because disobedience takes us from outside. I want to keep coming back. I want to live in repentance. Repentance isn't a one-thing one deal. It's a constantly saying, God, forgive me. God, help me to live the way you want me to live. And constantly keeping in relationship with God. But then I go, and then I've got Jesus within me, enabling me. And I've got the Holy Spirit within me. I'm empowered. And the plan is, is that I now live like Jesus did on earth. What did Jesus do? All he did was glorify God. Everything. We even sang it in the first song. First thing, our whole thing is to glorify God. So, what is that? Everybody looks at a person and they're so, so overawed by them that they see God, that it makes them lift their head to God, it makes them think of God. That's what we're supposed to do. We're reflecting, we're making it so that people look up and they see God through what the way we live. You know, there's a song where you sing, the whole earth is full of his glory. Actually, there's a couple of verses that say the whole world is full of his glory. What does that mean? What does that look like? That's you and I. We, fill the, we glorify God. We fill the world with his glory because it's reflecting us. Does that make sense? We carry God with us. That's why, that's why Christians have a hard time sometimes because the enemy does not want you to reflect God. Doesn't want you to be nice. Doesn't want you to be kind. What does it say? It's your kindness that leads me to repentance. So, so that verse is God, God's kindness leads to your repentance. Did you know that your kindness, because you carry God within, leads people to God? Like it's it's exciting. In here, I go, in here, this is family. This is family chat. Chat, you know, we're all part of God's family. That's, that's what's quite huge. And out of that, we then walk out into that world to make a difference, to bring the kingdom of God to the world. That's what we're, we're here to do. Like, this is how I see it. My life is given to God. I'm complete, completely given over to God. I live in my home and our home, because all of us are Christian, are given to God. It's God's territory. It's one. Now, you may be in a different stage, and, you know, and sometimes, but, but I, I, as the leader of my house, I even walk around my whole property and go, this is God's part. This is God's kingdom. When I come here, I know it's just a building, but, but this is God's. Why? Because we all come here, and this is where he has authority. And the plan is, is that we carry it everywhere we go and we create a difference where we are, that the place that we work becomes full of the glory of God. Why? Because everybody becomes a Christian. That's, that's the goal. And we're on this journey to make it a better place. Our workplace is a better place because you work there. Our, our homes are a better place. People we re- interact with, meet with, 
Every time someone comes to know God, there's, now he's glorified and now that's his territory. The whole world, worldwide, in a sense, revival is that everybody comes to know God. Now, I don't know whether you're Calvinistic and think, well, you know, it's only those God's chosen, but I, I don't quite know who those people are, so I go, everybody's up for it. <laughs> I want to give everybody a chance. And, you know, we've got, we've got verses that challenge us because, you know, God wants to see all. doesn't want to see anyone perish. So my job is, is to bring heaven on earth. As a father, I've got a, a, a job to do that. I'm way off my notes. Let's go. Okay. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. When I'm raised to life again, you will know that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. I don't think we live our lives believing that. God with it. All the power. So, so, we can live exactly like Jesus did, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Forgiving our sins, sin, no longer having victory in our lives, we live with that power flowing through us. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Makes our home. We're part of his home. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is, what the, is from the Father who sent me. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. Verse 27, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. Do you have that peace this morning? Do you carry that peace everywhere you go? That peace should make a difference. That peace should be contagious. We saw that horrible thing called COVID that affected everybody. I think that's a negative thing, a negative virus. What about a positive virus of peace, of love? That can change the world. Yeah, there's a few people that don't want it and resist it and, and you know, wear a mask so they don't get it. But we want to just give. We want to... People will need to meet you and go away going, man, I feel better for being with that person. People should feel that love come out of us. Verse 30, I don't have much time to talk to you. Well, that's true. <clears throat> don't have much time. Time, time. <clears throat> because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me. Don't you love that? Well, if he has no power over, over Jesus and has no power over God, then he has no power over you. Because he's in you. You're empowered by him. We don't need to fear anything. We don't need to walk in fear. We walk in confidence. <clears throat> but I will do what the Father requires of me so the world will know I love the Father. Let's get going. It starts with you. It starts with you having the revelation of God the Father, that he loves you, that you're under him, 
that you obey him? And that's, that's a challenge. I said to a, a young kid this morning, um, <clears throat> happy they were doing, it was, he was being held by his father, and I said, he said, you know, the best way you can do, make a great Father's Day for dad is to do what he asks you to do. The little kid sort of looked. But dad went, yes, yes, that would be good. That would be great. Well, that's no different to you and me. We just do what the father wants us to do. Father wants us to do. What do you want me to do, Lord? I'm going to do that. And I love people. I mean, most of it we've, we already know. There is always a disconnect between what we know sometimes and what we do, isn't there? Unfortunately. But we're on that journey that goes, I'm going to, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make a difference today. God the Son is in you. God the Holy Spirit, who will never leave you or forsake you. He's with you. So God, my family, I have a responsibility in my family, and at the moment, I'm a father. I've got only one kid left at home. Once I was single, and once I was actually just a son in my father's house. And then, you know, I left and didn't realize how good I had it. Came back a couple of times, you know, like you do. Then I got married, met Eleanor. We started our own family. How exciting is that? Kids, one, two, three, four. Had all those little kids running around. They've slowly grown up and left. One, two, three, nearly four. We're into a different zone. Hopefully, sometimes I'll become a granddad. How exciting. Not too soon, but at the right time. I know, I look too young to be a granddad, but how exciting. Do you know that's the same in the church? Because you see, I see the church as just about as much my family, if not more my family, than I do my family. And uh, at the funeral, Joanne, my sister, got up and started talking and said, you know, we lived in Hauda. My mother was from England. My dad had come out from England with his mum and dad and his brother when he was 12. He went back, met mum, said to mum, they went back to Leeds, Said to mum, marry me, but you've got to come and live in New Zealand. I'm not living in England. Thank you, God, for that. <laughs> Imagine that. So they moved. my mum took a, took a boat, left all her family, took a boat trip, six weeks, 10-pound pom, yeah, came out to, to uh, New Zealand, uh, uh, didn't know anyone, lived there. My mum and dad uh, ended up in Hawara with the three of us kids, my older sister and my younger sister. And, but no, no family. All her family were back in England. And my dad's family was down in Christchurch. And that South Island's miles away anyway, isn't it? We lived, five of us, and the church became our family. The church was our family. And, and you know, uh, even when we were talking with my mum, they, they've been in about 13 houses, but they've, you know... The last, I think, 40 years, they've been in one church. They've gone, this has been my home. My mum wanted to, to leave from the church home to, to, to the grave. She just said, there's something about that. That's my home. We saw it as our home. You know what happens is that if you're broken and you come into the, into the church and you find your peace, you do find it as it is your home where you, you have family. You know, one of the things that my, my thinking came out of that after that was that if you have a very stable home, you see the church as a secondary home. 
because you've got your home here and I just go to church. But if you've come from brokenness, which I think we've all come to, and you see the change where suddenly you go, my home is the church. The church is my home. It's my family. It's a huge family. You know, it's not just this family. We're part of a, you know, we've got three, three of us, brothers and sisters. and that. But then, then, then we've got other churches around the kingdom. That's why I'll always go to church on a Sunday. Even if I'm not here, I will always go. Why? Because I go to family. And, and it's connected. It's family. At the moment, my role in the family is the father for C3 City Church. Wasn't always. I used to be a youth leader in, in it. And I used to be a snotty little teenager at 15 in it, causing trouble. We won't talk about that. But always been in the home. And there will be a stage at some stage where I go, I've done my thing. I'm going to hand it on to another. And I'll be granddad. How cool is that? Here's the question. Do you know your role in the family? Are we a good family? Are we committed to each other? Do we support each other? I think we've got a lot a lot to learn in moving into being more like family. Do we concern with our, about our brothers and sisters? I'm always challenged when I watch on the news and, and some, some person's up, you know, is, is uh, going on trial at court for a murder or something like that. And even though they're on trial there, their family are there supporting them despite what they've done. Why? Not because they agree with what they've done. No, they don't agree, but they're there because they're family. As Christians, when people get into trouble, we walk away. Oh, no, don't want to be associated with them. I'm thinking, what's wrong with us? Forget what they're saying about our family. I love this person. I want to be someone who stands with them, walks with them. It's a challenge. It messes with your head sometimes, doesn't it? But we want to be a family. To our words. And look like any, any family, there's, there's a bit of brokenness. There's a bit of brokenness in the church. <laughs> there's probably a lot of brokenness in the church, isn't there? But that's not a bad thing. We're going to work through it, aren't we? Always working through it. Loving one another. And blood, which we took, communion, is thicker than water. We love our family. I love the church. You won't hear me talking about anything negative about church. Yeah, there's some things I'm on forever going, can we do church without the collateral damage that's been in church? But can we do family without the collateral damage? I've had family members fall out with us and, you know, leave home when they probably shouldn't have and taken off and you've got to go mend that relationship. You know, it's no different in the church family. I... The highlight of my day yesterday was I reached out to a guy who wasn't in our church. He was in another church in New Zealand that's pretty broken. And he'd left pretty, pretty upset. And I'd been trying to reach out to him for maybe four or five years. He responded to my happy birthday yesterday. Just came back and said hi. I thought, man, we've got to go after friends and people that are no longer in the family. We've got to go after them. Anyhow, I wasn't going to say that, but there we go. You're good? 
I want to pray for the fathers again. If you're a father, stand up. Just stand where you are. I just want to pray for you. I want to challenge you. I had a picture a few, few months ago, and the picture was that the men in general, Christian men, were sitting rather than standing. And my whole picture was a lot of time we've let the women stand and fight spiritually in our homes while we've sat there. We've sat there. And I just want to challenge you to, to fight spiritually for the atmosphere in your home. And that means praying, walking around your house praying. It means even maybe you being the one who puts on the worship music and says, I'm going to set the culture in this house. It's you making a difference for your home and making it a place where it's full of love. Because the enemy's after our kids, after our families, and the enemy hates our families. He's doing everything he can. He's, you know, the enemy's even got the government on his side helping to break up our families. We don't want that. We need to stand and go, now in my house, I'm going to pray that God has his way, that it's a place of peace. So let's just pray. Father, I thank you for each man standing right now. Father, I pray for a tenacity in their spirit, a warrior in their spirit. Lord, we don't wrestle against people. We don't want to fight against people, but we do wrestle against spiritual powers and an enemy who's trying to wreck our families. And so we stand, and I stand with every man here. Lord, for his children. Lord, we pray that his children would know security and love And Lord, anywhere where there is a brokenness between any father and their sons, Lord, I pray healing would come. Lord, any brokenness between fathers and their daughters, Lord, I pray healing would come. Any brokenness between husbands and wives, Father, I pray healing would come. Lord, that unity would strengthen. Holy Spirit, that you would have your way. God, you are our authority. We stand you. Help us to love our wives like you love the church and gave yourself for them. You gave yourself for the church. Help us to give ourselves for our families. Lord, I pray for a real sense of your power, your empowering within, your enabling. I come against every shame that the enemy would try and use. God, right now, we have short accounts with you. We thank you that, Lord, your, your blessings and your mercy is new every single morning. You don't hold to account anything apart. Father, I pray shame would be broken off men, that they would stand in the strength of their calling. I come against every negative word that's spoken that's tried to, to wound them and stop them being who you've called them to be. Lord, I pray for a strength to rise from within. Holy Spirit, fill us with your power and your enabling. Let's all stand. Let's stand. <clears throat> I just want you to pray for your family. No, you know, some, we've all got parts in a family. We're, you know, and some of it is only just slightly hanging on a thread. Some of it's full on. Like, And I pray, Father, I pray for each family represented here. Lord, I pray for a new sense of love, new sense of your purpose and bringing together the family. Lord, I pray you'd give people 
Lord, strategies. Lord, you'd speak to them about things that they can do where, the, where the relationships are broken. Some of them are broken that are not even anything to do with them. It's our brothers and sisters have fallen each out, out with each other or our, our brothers or sisters have fallen out with our parents. Father, Lord, I pray that we would be able to bring peace and healing to our families. Lord, I pray as a church we bring peace and, fe- and healing as a family. Lord, help us to be a family that loves, that believes the best, that lifts up rather than pulls down, that speaks words of life rather than words of death, Father. Lord, we just thank you that we can love you and serve you. You are amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you just thank God? Right where you are, just say something. Thank God for something in your life. Thank him for somebody in your life. Thank him. Just thank him. Lord, we thank you for Will and Nicole, Lord, right now, Father. Lord, with all that they've got on their plate and, Lord, just how the enemy keeps attacking them. Lord, we just pray your peace would come on them, your strength would come on them. Lord, that they'd be able to run, race with determined. Lord, anoint them, provide for them. Lord, we love them. We thank you for them. Anoint them, we pray. Bless each one. Give everybody a great day as they contact their fathers or if they're contacted by their children. Lord, I pray it just be a great day of healing and love flowing, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.